0: It is Locked on Jazz for the 13th of January. The Utah Jazz might be discovering something offensively without Rudy Gobert. We'll delve into how, what that is and how it looks, the, where the Jazz might be gaining some ground. Plus, we'll stop this madness and look at what's actually important about the Utah Jazz at the halfway point of the season. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz pow You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Hello to our regular live crew, Lee, Lacey, Josh, Daniel, Bryce, Jeremy, Ray, and Robert saying good morning, loyal to their team, despite the fact that the Jazz are struggling a little bit right now without their regular guys. I actually think there's some good things coming out of this right now. Um, I want to briefly go through last night's game and then I am going to take a look at where I think the Jazz might be discovering a little something to who they are and another weapon in their quiver offensively. Then... What really matters? We're at the halfway point of the season. The Jazz, I think, are 24 and 18, if I'm right. Or no, that's not, 28 and 14. Um, and what really matters? What really matters at this point is how we've done against some of the better teams in the league. So we'll look at that. We'll reset to, like, actually what matters here and uh, do that in the show today. All right, quick run-through of last night. I don't I don't want to make it, um, you know, it's we had nobody taller than 6'4". But there was actually some interesting stuff. In the first quarter, our offensive rating was only a 96.8, and our defensive rating was only a 118. So it, but it actually felt decent. Actually, that was for the game. I do that every time I hit the wrong button. So in the first quarter, our offensive rating was 100. Our defensive rating was a 117. Um, it didn't like, but there was, I'll get to it in a second. There's something that actually felt good about what we were doing. In the second quarter, our offensive rating went up to a 112. Our defense, was a 124. And then we were just short guys. In the third quarter, We, we couldn't score. Our offense completely fell apart. It went to a 70. I mean just totally dry. Didn't score for like four minutes. Our defense actually didn't totally collapse. It was a 125, which is not good. But considering we weren't scoring, um, that was it. And then the fourth quarter it was a 104.5. We really our, our offense just completely fell apart in the third quarter of last night's game. Um and, and that's the story of the game. Here's what I thought was interesting last night. If you go by period, the Jazz in the first quarter of the game had nine shots within five, nine of 12 within about five feet of the basket. At least that's what um, I believe the number was. Yeah, But nine of 10, nine of 12 from about five feet around the basket. They, they really, they drove, they got inside, they had five out. They spread the, the Cavaliers out really nicely. We're driving to the basket, doing some interesting things, playing five out offensively, frankly, in a way that when they're really small, Royce was the center to start, but we actually haven't seen them do. They missed some threes. They only got one corner three, which is always the indicator to me of whether the offense is really churning or not. They went, I think two of um, nine from three or two of eight from three in the quarter, no two of nine from three in the quarter. And then in the second quarter, they still got four shots at the rim that they made. they, they, they got pushed out a little bit with the Cavaliers, I think, making some adjustments. But then they answered by b- bearing a bunch of threes. And they got around um, they got around the horn a little bit. They had three corner threes. They went four of eight above the break. So they, I think they were five of 11 in the quarter. They got the three shots at the rim. And so, you know, it wasn't a great first half of offense, but you actually had this kind of nice combination of we went to the rim pounded the rim for nine shots driving spreading them out they started to collapse on it we kicked out for threes and then in the third quarter it just fell apart like we didn't make a two in the entire quarter and i did not punish myself to go back and review it but we did what's interestingly is we did take seven corner threes in a quarter which to me is usually the sign that we're doing something right we got a ton of left corner threes five of them went over two on the right it's usually a sign to me that like things are we're actually doing things correctly. And I'm not entirely sure, you know, what went wrong. Bogey went one for four, was not, is, you know, did not have a very good shooting game. Um, Donovan went 0 for one on one of those corner threes. Joe had been ejected by then. So we weren't going to see Joe. Uh, Jordan went one of two on corner threes and, and Mike uh, didn't get any. And then Royce really was hesitant to shoot last night uh, more so than usual. Finally kind of let it rip a few times late, but um so anyway, I think um, – I thought there was just – I thought there was like a little something there. Here's what I want to get into today. So that was – I thought that that wide open – you're playing some small, small pick and roll, which I'll get into here in a second. I thought there were just some things there we could take. Here's the facts. Since Rudy's gone out, we're not – you know, we're not very good, right? Like we can – I can couch it all you want. So if the facts are – we're the 26th team in differential over the last five games. Atlanta, Houston, Oklahoma City, and Detroit are worse. Um, we're one and four. We beat, you know, we have the win against Denver. We're 17th in the league offensively without Rudy, and we're 30th in the league defensively. Okay. You know, we're also without Rudy Gay and us on White Side last night. We were without Joe Ingles. This is kind of where we are. So that's that's the truth. Like we're not um we're we're not good um without rudy right now and it's you know it's interesting that we're we are a little stunned where we are defensively i'm not sure why um we've been in the 12th percentile without rudy for like three years off defensively we're what is a little stunning is okay we're 17th offensively so let's dig into what's happened there and then let's let me see if i can show you where i actually think the team may be learning something so on a regular night in the season we set ninety two picks in a game. this so here's our offense on a given night. Ninety picks. I'm going to round some numbers up here just because I think you have a better chance of remembering if they're round. So ninety picks, fifty drives, fifteen isolations, fifteen handoffs. That's kind of our offense, right? And then, you know, hopefully fifteen transition. that would be that would be the the next side of us. You, you You would hope that we're getting. Um, out in transition about uh 16 that's transition defense transition offense um we're we're about 13 times a game you would hope we're out about 15 times a game okay so that's um you know that's that's kind of the way we look at it um so yeah so 90 picks 50 drives called 15 isolation 15 handoffs 15 transitions We're a little short on those last 15s, but just to round the numbers up. And we throw about 275 passes a game. Okay, so the first thing that's happened without Rudy is our passing's gone away. We're now averaging 257 passes, 18 fewer passes in our last three games than we did before. We have not been over 262, which we were in Indiana. And we actually have gotten kind of fallen a lot. We were 260 against Denver, 261 against Toronto, 262 against Indiana. And then we went that had a terrible second half against Detroit. We were 246. And then Cleveland, we were 257. The second thing is that our picks are way down, right? Obviously. So we're 10, we're setting 10% fewer picks than we've set than we were setting prior. It's a lot. Like 10%'s a lot. Um, against Denver, we actually set the normal amount of picks, and against Indiana, we set our normal amount of picks. And in both those games, our offensive ratings were actually pretty good, which is interesting. Toronto, we only set seventy-seven. We hardly had our team eighty-three we against Detroit, and seventy-nine picks last night against Cleveland. So last night, we were about fifteen to eighteen percent down from our regular amount of picks. What we've become is almost an exclusively drive team. Like we don't have the pick, we don't have the advantage. We become a much heavier drive team and a much heavier isolation team our drives are up about 12 to 15 percent and our isolation game is up about 30 percent we had 24 isolations against Indiana we had 23 against Cleveland and we regularly have 15 right that's up almost 50 percent those two games our drives we had 64 last night we had 71 against Toronto we had 61 against Detroit and our regulars 51 right so in that case we're almost up 20 percent our handoffs are are down from thir- 13 is the real number down to 10. and so we've become a drive isolation team without picks creating our own advantage rather than getting the advantage with our pick and then kick and passing and that's not a great script for us. we're not we're not terrible at it. it's not a it's just not a great script for us. um in fact, you know, it's not I don't think it's the same thing of what you're seeing from us defensively. Um, but if you kind of look at where we rank on things around the league as a team, um, those aren't, are usually our st- strong points. So if you look at where the Utah jazz rank as a team on uh, things offensively, we're the number one team in the league pick and roll ball hammer. Okay. Well, that's okay. That's really, that hurts us with it. We've suddenly gone, and as we talked about, we've lost about 10 to 15% of our picks. We're the number one team in the league on pick and roll ball. We're the 10th best team in the league in spot up, which is coming off passing, and we just talked about how our passing is down. We're the fifth best team in pick and roll with a roll man on the pick and roll. Okay, well, we just talked about how we're down 15%. Our isolation game's not bad. We're the ninth best isolation team, but on an isolation shot, our effective field goal percentage is 48%. On a pick and roll ball handler, it's 54%. So we're moving those plays to things that are less efficient. We're a good cutting team. I haven't seen it much recently. We're a decent off-the-screen team. We're a handoff team is we're, we're average. And obviously we, we don't post up a great deal. Um, so that's you know kind of who we are. If you look at our our drive game, which is really where we've suddenly you know become pretty dominant into this. And we look at drives per game, um, which I don't have. Um, I have drives for hundred possessions Uh, on a given on an average night. You know, Don's getting 22 drives. Actually, Trent Forrest gets 20 of all things. When he plays Conley gets 19 Clarkson gets 17. And then, you know, other guys kind of grab a few here and there. This is, um, I believe this might have, um, I'm trying to see, Boyan, and Boyan gets about nine again. You know, if we filter this and look at what's happened over the last few days where we take it since the Denver game and take our, you know, our earliest date is January 4th and our latest date is today on this. What, we'll, what you'll see is that some of those numbers have, have changed a little bit. So Donovan is suddenly up four drives a game. He's gone from 22 or five, 22 to 27. Mike Conley's actually holding the same at 19. Jordan Clarkson's gone from, I think, was 17 to 19. Trent Forrest is like driving every time he touches the ball because that's all he can do. He can't, he doesn't shoot. Jared Butler's in there too. Boyan, Royan gets a little bit more. So we're suddenly having Clarkson, Donovan, one-on-one drives at a much higher level than we've ever before because that's what we're forced to do. So how is this actually making us better? I'll explain that next. That's why our offense isn't as good. That's where we've just kind of lost who we are. We've gotten to do less efficient things. We're not able to do our best stuff. That's the explanation there. Why this actually might make us better, I'll get to you here in just a second. Um, Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. Steve Carter and the crew at Intercap do amazing uh, work and uh, so appreciative of everything about Steve Carter. What I really love about Steve Carter is that I send you to him and I don't have any concerns. And then actually even better than that is that I take the next step, which is I send you to Steve Carter and then I inevitably get a letter back, which is many of the reviews that I've talked about, about how incredible he is. Intercaps in their 40th year, they're one of the largest independent companies out there. Josh Romney bought them in April of 2016, moved them to Utah. They started like a few branches. Then they went to 15. Now they've expanded even more. They're just blowing the numbers out. Why? Because they get deals done. They're hyper responsive, a direct lender. They do fabulous work. And Steve Carter's our own personal loan officer that we set up. Brock was really smart when we built this ad campaign many, many years ago. He's like, okay, here's your personal loan officer. We'll give you a corporate rate. It's worked beautifully because Steve's the best. Uh, Steve Carter's number is 385 800 28. 385 800 You're welcome to email me directly at DLOCK09 at gmail.com and see what you find. DLOCK09 at gmail, uh, not to see what you find. DLOCK09, and I'll send you and connect you. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. We'll get back to that brain cramp in a second. Uh, again, Steve Carter's number is 385-800-8528. If you want to, you can just directly hit me up at uh dlock09 at gmail.com and i will uh just send over an email connect you guys it might be the easiest way to do it so feel free um i don't mind that in any way um shape or form um i have a really interesting one i want to share with you um there's a group called summit capital and they're a local uh utah uh venture capital firm they actually invested in locked on uh Matt Peterson, David Lillywhite, and the crew. And they're great. They, they invested their money. They weren't experts in podcasting media. They asked great questions. They were 100% supportive. And they're looking for one of three things, one of which I find fascinating. So they're looking to provide capital for management seeking to buy up uh, owners' businesses um, they work in. I'll explain that in a second. That's the one I think is super interesting owners seeking to sell their businesses or entrepreneurs seeking capital to help grow businesses. That's that's what they do. They, they were great for us. The first one's really interesting. You work for a company, old ownership. They've been around for a long time. They want to get out of the business. They don't have somebody to sell it to. You work for them. You know the business. You don't have the capital, but you're the perfect person to take over the business and buy it from the owner. The owner leaves well. Summit Capital supports you. Everyone wins. It's pretty cool. Uh, Matt, Dave, and the crew are interesting people. They're all entrepreneurs themselves and they approach investing in that. And so they give you the freedom to do your work. Um, unlike private equity or venture capital funds, they don't have artificial timelines. They never once asked us when we were um selling or anything of that nature. Fickly, we sold pretty quickly. So they I don't think they had they were gonna worry about it too much. But never once, never once when even in the like when we were asking for money, did they ever say, Well, how long? What's our timeline? What's your plan? It was all just do you have a plan? What are you doing? Go do it. Pretty interesting. Good people. So if you're this skips you, 801 769 2033, text them at 801 2033 or locked on jazz at SummitCapitalUtah.com. utah.com. That's locked on jazz at summit You can also go to their website, summitcap utah.com. Actually, excuse me, it's locked on jazz at SummitCapUtah.com. utah.com Locked on jazz at summitcap utah.com or 801. 801- 7 9 I screwed that up enough that um, you can uh, uh, feel free to just email me directly. All right. So thank you very much for making Lockdown Jazz your first listen of the day. Um, I was going to go back to that brain cramp and laugh at myself, but I don't even remember what the brain cramp was. Here's where we might get better. Here's where I think we're discovering something. So on a given night, we run 47 picks to Rudy Gobert on a given night. He averages 1.05 picks. Frankly, only Frank Kaminsky and uh, Gungu uh, Gung uh, – I'm missing his name. Uh, I can't see it in front of me right now. Uh, for Atlanta, who's working with Trey Young right now, who's their rising star and why they should are going to trade Clint Capella <clears throat> and go get Ben Simmons. Um, uh, the pick kick out of USC is playing really well. are better than Rudy at this point. So Rudy's the third best in the league. Whiteside gets 21 picks a game. He's at 1.01. Whiteside, for all the – he seemed to be horrendous in the stretch – And some of it's been defensively offensively he's actually been better. He's gone from 21 picks to 35 and he's gone from 1.01 to 1.05. So he's playing with probably more versatile guards, different guys. It's actually gotten a little bit better here. Here's what gets interesting is we've been forced to run small, small pick and roll, probably trying to find little matchups. We were killing Laurie marketing for a while last night and trying to find these kind of matchups. Um, and we've gotten pretty good at it. Like, so on a regular night, we run 10 exchanges. I wouldn't really call them picks. We'll call them exchanges with Royce O'Neill. We're running 20 right now. So probably a pretty important, like teams hide high, bad defenders on Royce O'Neill because he's not going to punish you. This is an important little thing for us to have. And we're doing it brilliantly. In the last five games, we're averaging 1.15 points per pick when Royce O'Neal, 20 times a game is a lot, is interplaying. Rudy Gay was averaging six picks a game. Again, Rudy was out last night. We didn't would play last night. Like, let's not talk about it last night. Um, it's a great line. Let, let's not talk about it last night. Um, Rudy Gay is at six picks a night at 1.05. During this stretch, he's setting 14. And we're averaging 1.23 points per pick. Way better. Okay? Like, Rudy Gay's... That, no, like now, all of a sudden, we're playing small. And remember, our big problem we were having with the small lineup was as bad as it was defensively, it was... And frankly we're bad defensively when Rudy go bears off the floor I think we've all got that by now it's pretty much been hit over the head by a two by four with that so maybe we should stop worrying about and I actually never did worry about the fact that we were bad small defensively I knew that because Rudy's not on the floor we're just bad defensively when Rudy's off the floor what was really bothersome to me is that we were really bad small offensively because we're so pick dependent we run 92 picks a game we couldn't figure out how to do that like and our spacing was screwed up like as much as you think that having five out should create all the spacing at the rim. Frankly, having Rudy dive, having them have to bring another guy to him or bring another guy to the ball handler. And now the ball handler, sure. Donovan and Mike feel like they're in traffic at that point, but Rudy's taking a lot of attention. They've brought an extra guy in. You have a passing outlet. When you're playing one-on-one. Yeah. If you beat your guy, you're free to the basket. We've seen more of that from Don and Mike recently, but There's also, you're driving and they're digging in off Royce or they're digging in off somebody and it's a little harder to get through. The spacing's not as good. So really, you know, let's make sure we understand exactly what's happened here. We lost Rudy while we're in Denver, okay? We don't practice. We play Denver. Half the team goes to Indiana. Half the team goes to Toronto because we don't want to get anyone stuck behind the border. The outbreak extends. We go to Indiana. We come back. It's a back end of back to back. No practice, right? We play Indiana. Now the, we're now we've also played three games and four nights, all on the road. We're at the five end of a five game road trip. The outbreak is happening. We're in Detroit. We don't want to get on a bus. We don't want to go to the arena. We're, we do some stuff in a ballroom, but we don't practice. This I'm learning this now. I apologize. I wasn't with the team, so I would have had a much better understanding of this. Okay. We get to Detroit, the outbreak kind of calms for a second, We, but it's still present, right? We come back home, we've just gone on a one, two, three, four, five-game road trip in eight nights. We're not practicing, so we've literally lost Rudy Gobert a week ago and never had a practice day, never had one chance for Quinn Snyder to get on the floor and say, okay, if we're going to play five out all the time, here's how we're playing, here's what we're doing, until yesterday's shoot and we saw some signs of it getting a lot better. <laughs> We're seeing Boyan Bogdanovich, who usually sets three picks a game, setting nine. He's gone from 1.01 to 1.14. Like all of these guys have gotten way better. You've seen Eric Pascal, frankly. So you suddenly have Whiteside's gotten better. I'm not really that it. I mean, quite frankly, if Whiteside's going to be this up and down, there's a real question of whether you're relying on him in the playoffs unless you see some level of consistency. And then in the playoffs, can we play five out for 12 minutes a night? Okay, for 10 minutes a night. Okay, for eight minutes a night. Okay, Rudy never leaves the floor. Forget it. No, we can't play him 48. Play him 40. So for four four to five minutes a half, In short stints, when Rudy does his three stints, we shorten them all down. We suddenly make Rudy's three stints all, like, are they suddenly all three of Rudy's stints? Six minutes? Nine minutes? It's a lot, right? Nine-minute stints actually can't happen. Three, three nine, three eight nine, eight-minute stints can't happen either. So they're all, like, Rudy's playing three six-minute stints. So he's playing 18 plus 18, playing 36. He plays a few, you know. Seven minutes stints. He gets up to 38. He gets up close to 40. Those little, little gaps in the middle, those two gaps. Can we play five out? Pascal's your center. Gay's your center. Maybe they're playing together. I don't know. Like, I think that's the evolution we're going to see in the next 40 games. But what we're seeing here is that Royce O'Neill's gone from one point per pick and roll to 1.15. Rudy Gay has gone from 1.05 on a pick to 1.23. Boyan Bogdanovich has gone from 1.01 to 1.14. Like, that's important. They're figuring that out without any practice time, without a single moment of time together to work on it. That's us getting better offensively. All right, we'll look at what matters. How have we actually performed against the top 10 teams as we're at the 50% mark of the season? Because that's actually what matters. Prize Picks is the most fun, best daily fantasy game that's out there. You can get all sorts of great props, and you can do it quick and fast. Um, it's a lot of fun, so make sure you jump out. You've been hearing about prize picks for months, and now is the time uh, to jump aboard. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. But you must use the code NBA. That's right. Exclusive offer to locked listeners. Here's the deal. Use the promo code NBA, and if you get one player scores a point, you get a $50 um, pick. Prize picks is the best DFS prop game out on the market. PrizePix offers you props you can can't uh, you can you think of from points to assists to rebounds to threes made, etc. You pick two to five players and over under their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you and the projected numbers. So go to prizepicks.com, Go to your app store. Download the app. All the users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get $50 free. for Your first prize pick entry scores a single point. That's right. All users. A deposit and use the promo code NBA will get $50 free if your prize pick entry scores a single point. Prize pick is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. Oh, gosh, I don't. What about the Brooklyn Nets last night? That was a statement. I'm going to watch that game today. Um, that's what I do in my free time. I go back and watch the games I missed. I know. Like, really? Like, people always ask me, like, have you seen Breaking Bad? No. I saw The Wire. Have you seen, like, no. Have you seen? No. I watch the NBA. That's what I do. I watch the NBA. That, that's, that's it all the time. Uh, Warriors and Bucks tonight. Bucks are a one and a half point favorite. That'll be great. Um, Clippers and Pelicans. Pelicans are in a three and a half point favorite. Nets are back out, but they play the Thunder. And then the Portland Trailblazers are a 10 and a half point dog with Dame Lillard out for an extended period of time. NBA game props are available as well on uh, betonline.ag. Uh, championship lines. The Phoenix Suns have jumped us. The Lakers have totally fallen. Finally, the Nets are 275. The Warriors are plus 350. The Bucs are plus 750. Suns plus 800. We're plus 1100, so we're still top five. Heat are at plus 1400, and the Lakers are plus 1600. Bulls are plus 1800 at the number one seed. That's got to bum you out. Champion the uh, conference odds, the Nets are at 145. Bucks at 360. Heat at 500. In the West, Warriors are 150. Suns are at 400. Jazz are at 550. Lakers are at 750. Wow, everyone thinks we're going to get a Nets-Warriors final. That'd be pretty big. Probably be good for the league. All right, um, I see there's a bunch of stuff in the um, chat room. Um, I think I commented on this last night. I thought Joe's ejection was strange. Um, just that he was arguing somebody else's call, and he got ejected, and he already had a technical, and his play on Jared Allen was really weird. Um, so. Um I think, you know, um, Hayden wants to know about Epe Udo. Uh, I thought he was kind of retired. Um, he wasn't moving very well when he was with us last time. So I don't think he's the answer. Um, but I think that that's, um, I love him and he is a great citizen. Um, so I think that's great. Uh, Ryan checks in from solitude today. My dad comes into town, my 81 year old, 81, 82. How old's dad today? And he is skiing for the next eight days. So, um, comes in today. So I will uh, probably see you up at solitude. Um, I'll tell more stories about him at some point. Maybe we'll let him be part of a show one day we can do. We can do. What's that Reddit thing where you ask me anything, but you can do it to my dad and he can share stories about how obnoxious I was as a kid. Yeah. I don't think actually any of you care. And I even think less that it's a good idea for him to reveal all that. Um, so, all right. Um, here's the real conversation. Um, this is later in the show than I wanted, but let's take a look at the um, Jazz against the top 10 differential teams in the league, okay? Because that really tells us where we sit. So the Warriors are the best in the NBA against the top teams. They're 10 and 4. Their differential's a plus 9. They are the 6th best offense. They're the number one defense in the league. Miami's second best at 10 and five. They're plus six. The average in the league, by the way, is minus five for these games. Against a top 10 differential team in the league, you're minus five. Differentials point offensive efficiency minus defensive efficiency. So this is supposed to be the 10 best teams in the league. Miami's offense is the second best in the NBA. Their defense is the second best. That's like, that's worth noting on Miami. The Jazz have the third best differential, but we're four and six. We do have that Milwaukee game, which counts, where we played a team that did not have very many players. So that's, like, one caveat on this. But I'm sure Golden State and Miami have something similar in some of their games. Everyone's going to. We're the number one offense in the NBA against the top 10 teams in the league. We're the 13th-ranked defense. Like, that was my point before Rudy got hurt, was what should be concerning to us – or Rudy got uh, COVID. What uh, should be concerning to us is that we're not good defensively against the best teams. So we rank 13th. Memphis is fourth at plus 2.2. They're the third best offense in the league, the sixth best defense. They're nine and three. They're now ahead of us in the standings, by the way. Cleveland is five and 10 after last night. They're the 15th best offense and the third best defense. But they have the fifth best differential. Those are the only five teams in the NBA that are positive against the top 10 teams. So we're one of them. We have the best offense. We're about... Eight points above league, seven points above league average offensively, um, which is about where we are overall. We're a point better than Miami. We're two points better than Memphis, who's next. We're two points better than Toronto, who's or Portland, who's third, and Toronto is five and Golden State. And then defensively, we're just not great. We're 13th in the league defensively against the best teams. We're 13th against the shot. We don't force turnovers. That's our M.O., We're not great on the board. That's Hassan Whiteside is really not a very good defensive rebounder. When he's on the floor, at least we're not. Let me rephrase that. When he's on the floor, we're not a very good defensive rebounding team. And we're good at not fouling. So really, it's just defending the shot. Now, you kind of want to dig into that a little bit and see whether or not there's some weird shooting things that are going on here that's always kind of worthwhile to look at because, um, you know, I I always believe in looking at defensive accuracy of shooting. So we go look at the top 10 teams in the league differential and look at it like what's our three point shooting again. So the warriors are, who are the number one defense are also the number one three point shooting defense at 33.5. That might be a little bit of a misnomer. Um, It might be a little unlikely. Cleveland is number two at 33.8. Brooklyn's number three at 33.9. We are right in the middle of the pack. Teams are shooting 36.6% against us from threes. The good teams, they're not shooting well at the rim. They're, Shooting pretty well in the little floater. They're not. Uh, we're twenty, or they're not shooting well in the little floater because Rudy impacts it. They're shooting forty-six percent on long twos. Probably not a huge amount, but that's worth noting. Um, I don't think it really matters. And they're shooting thirty-six percent from three, right on the league average. Whereas Golden State, Cleveland, Brooklyn—that might be athleticism—have been able to get the best teams to shoot less well in those moments. But if you look at us defensively. We don't force turnovers. We're not defending the shot. Great. One of the bigger problems <clears throat> we're having is two things we're having against the best teams. They're scoring at the rim at will. Sixty-eight percent shooting at the rim. Twenty-fifth in the league in that. So, in other words, they're spreading us out and they're getting to the rim, uh, or at least they're scoring when they get to the rim. We'll see what they're getting to here in a second. Let me take a look at that and make sure um, we can. Sh- I'll share that with you. And then they're they're making half their rate of threes. We're we're average at denying them shots at the rim. We're great at denying them threes. They are getting a lot of long twos, and they're hitting a decent percentage. That's kind of what we want. So I think there's two things. One is we're not rebounding as well as we should. Our defensive rebounding against the best teams is not as good as it should be. We're getting a little unlucky on long two shooting, but that's where we kind of want to force teams. And when teams are getting to the rim, they're shooting at an alarmingly high rate. And so that's why we're not as good defensively as we should. All right, I hope you guys had a good time in chat room. I always try to involve the chat room, but I did not today. Um, So I'll be more active on that tomorrow. Tomorrow will be a Friday. It'll be a points gained Friday, um, which will be wild because there'll be all sorts of weird players in there from this week. Um, And we'll also uh, take a look at what Denver coming up and see if we have any new news. I don't even know if the Jazz are practicing today. I just, I mean, they hardly had 10 players out last night after Joe got ejected. Um, Have a good one. This is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Go listen to Locked on now. Kim Becker hosted it. She's fabulous. It's on YouTube at Locked on NBA. Go grab that tonight or today. Enjoy it. Tell me what you think. None of you guys have told me what you think of Locked on Now. Locked on Now is like my baby. I've got no feedback. At this point, I just want to know how much you like it. Um, I have a question, actually, for those of you who are still with us on the show. Nate Duncan does a really cool thing where he does uh, the 15 teams in the conference in like 60 minutes with commentary around it. And um, But it's behind a paywall now. If we did something similar on Lockdown where each of our hosts did like a 90-second recap of where the team stands, what just happened in the last week or two, where their rankings are, something of the sort, and then either we just bounce from one to another, so you just had every host giving it to you, like one after another, or we had some hosts in between kind of giving commentary on it, is that a show you'd be interested in hearing? Let me know. Talk to you soon. This is Lockdown Jazz, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.